0: Our reading this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word.
1: Last November, I had my left knee replaced, having had my right knee replaced two years earlier. As the first time, so this time I was fortunately first on the list And that meant that I had recovered from the anaesthetic by lunchtime and could eat, well, at least a couple of sandwiches for my lunch. During the afternoon, our minister, Tim Carter, came to visit me. And, uh, of course, hospital visiting is a great example of Christian service. If I remember correctly, he was wearing a dark suit, a black shirt, a white or a very light tie. And as he was leaving, after the visit, the man in the bed, obliquely opposite me, said to Tim Carter, I thought you were a clergyman. (laughs) So Tim said, I am. And I followed with the words. And so am I. (laughs) Oh, my word. The gentleman, obliquely opposite, barraged me with a whole host of questions. First of all, what denomination did I belong to? The Baptists. He wanted to know when the first Baptist churches appeared in this country, and I said in the early 1600s, and what do Baptists believe? Well, it's very difficult to give a brief answer to that. (laughs) He did ask me a very interesting question, which made me wonder whether possibly he was a Catholic by background himself. If you don't believe some of the things you're supposed to believe as a Baptist, will you be excommunicated? Well, of course, it gave me an opportunity to explain in what ways Baptists were different from other churches, and particularly on the issue of believers' baptism and the requirement of personal faith for those who express the desire to be baptised and become members of the church. Now, what lesson do I draw from this? Quite simply, this one. Tim's visit was an act of Christian service, but also it gave an opportunity for witness. Now, I'm not saying that every act of service gives an opportunity for Christian witness, but what I am saying is that sometimes it does, and we need to latch on to that. Because Christian service can be productive in several ways. So what kind of Christian service are we thinking about? It's very interesting that in the New Testament there are lists of the gifts for service that God has given to his church through the work of the Holy Spirit. And there is a very impressive list in 1 Corinthians 12 which goes like this. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, performing miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Well, if that list frightens you, what I can say is this, that some people are gifted in this way and are a blessing in this way. I want to give you one example. The word of knowledge had a member in our church in South Cambridgeshire where I ministered for 19 years and uh, her name was Delia. She was a very godly lady and she telephoned me one day and she said, I have had a picture in my mind and I don't understand it. Would you please try to explain it? She said, you know, Cyril and Gladys, who were also members of the church, they were an elderly couple And you know their house, there's a cottage down the main street in Harston. I said, yes, I know it. She said, well, I've got this picture in my mind of that house, and one of the walls has turned bright red. Do you know what this means? I said, I have no idea what it means, but one or two ideas are going through my mind. The color red suggested to me fire, and I wondered if their house was on fire colour red, of course, is the colour of blood, and I wondered whether there was something along those lines. Inevitably, I uh, paid a visit and made some inquiries and discovered that Gladys had had the most awful headache, and we uh, made arrangements to get her a doctor and then into hospital, and it turned out that she had had a blood clot on the brain. I found that quite remarkable, very impressive. But the trouble is that the charismatic movement, who really have emphasized quite rightly these gifts, because they, many of them have been neglected for years, even centuries... They, At the same time, some of them started putting around the idea that if you didn't have one of these nine gifts, well, you weren't a very good Christian or you may not even be a Christian at all. And that was so unhelpful and also so wrong. A very unfortunate conclusion because there are other passages in the New Testament which refer to the gifts of service. And I want to look at them one by one. There are three others. There's another list at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, and it contains four extra gifts that not, are not mentioned before. Apostles, teachers, helpers, administrators. And what you will notice straight away is that these are not so dramatic gifts of service. Then in Romans chapter 12, serving, encouraging, generous giving, leadership, compassion. Again, these five are not mentioned in the two previous lists, and also they are not particularly dramatic. Then in the passage that we read earlier in the service, Ephesians chapter 4, evangelists and pastors, Two others that are not mentioned in the three previous lists that I have looked at. And the lesson that I draw from this is that there are dramatic gifts of service and we rejoice with those who have them. But there are also perfectly down-to-earth gifts of service. And these are 20 examples that we've seen on screen, but I don't believe they are necessarily a definitive list I believe there are many, many ways in which we can serve Christ. So what then is the purpose of these gifts of service? First of all, to build up the church. In Ephesians 4 verse 12, we read these words, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In a sense, these are internal church gifts. And some Christians do have gifts that are intended to develop other Christians' gifts. And that is clearly the emphasis of this passage in Ephesians. Many people here support the work of the Missionary Society Operation Mobilization. And I absolutely love the name that they've given to their society because the brief of their members is not only to engage in Christian service themselves, particularly in evangelism, but also to mobilise other Christians, particularly in evangelism, but not only in evangelism. And the second basis for Christian service is to deal with need. Of course, Jesus, as we've already been thinking, is the great example of ministering to the needs of people, whoever they are, not only within the church, but outside the church. We remember the words of Jesus in the famous parable of the sheep and goats, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Now, I find that my commentators uh, don't agree on uh, one aspect of that. Some think that Jesus was referring to support that we give to our fellow Christians. Other commentators believe that it's the support and the help that we give to anybody regardless. Be that as it may, there is no doubt that Jesus helped people, whoever that was, an essential part of his ministry. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6 says, As we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. Then he adds, especially to those who belong to the household of faith, our fellow Christians, but everybody. It is made so clear in Scripture. I wonder if you've noticed that the Salvation Army, who wear very smart uniforms, have on their lapels a letter S on this side and a letter S on that side. I always thought that they both stood for Salvation Army, but I had the opportunity once to ask a Salvation Army officer if that was the meaning of the two letters S on their lapels. And uh, this officer said to me, no, no, it's not salvation and salvation, it's salvation and service. And that's such a wonderful emphasis and there has been exemplary service by the Salvation Army ever since the days when they were founded, both preaching the gospel and ministering to human need and we ourselves engage in Christian service when our eyes and our hearts are open to all kinds of need in all kinds of people. I was brought up in a a very evangelical environment when I was a child and a young person, and one of the things that I heard, a criticism I heard of other churches was, oh, they believe in the social gospel. And what was meant by that was, oh, it's all social care and no gospel preaching. The problem with many evangelical Christians at that time was that they were all gospel and no social. Until, in 1968, along came Tier Fund, the Evangelical Alliance Relief Fund. And I think they shattered the illusions of many evangelicals by saying that works of service and caring for need is as important as preaching the gospel. All right, but what about ourselves? How do we tell what kind of service is right and appropriate for us, bearing in mind that there are many different kinds of gifts of service? First of all, I want to talk about our personal factors. Now, I hope that we are not guilty of false modesty. I think it's it's, um, thought to be a, a virtue, but it can actually stop us from developing things that we are good at. Because natural gifts can be dedicated to the service of Christ. And what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Have you had training or experience in some activity? Some people are good with children. Others are good with young people. Others are good with the elderly. Some are good with speaking and others are good with their hands. And practical abilities are as valuable to the Lord as speaking abilities. During my days as a minister in Birmingham, a new suburb was built in Birmingham, or just outside Birmingham, called Chelmsley Wood, and a new Baptist church was planted there, and the minister was the Reverend Lewis Misselbrook. Um, He was one of my heroes because he had great ideas, new ideas, new ways of doing things in church. But he did something, I think, that probably all ministers do. Hopefully, when somebody applies for church membership, you ask the question, now, what gift do you think you can bring to the Lord's service in the church? And Lewis Misselbrook told about one lady who wanted very much to join the church. But when she had that question asked of her, she said, I really don't think I'm any good at anything. I think Lewis Misselbrook suggested one or two things that might be to her liking, and the answer was no, right down the list. Then there was an awful pause, and she said, actually, there is one thing that I would love to do for this church. I would love to clean the toilets regularly. And as Lewis Mitterbrook said, they were the best church toilets in the world. Now I know that we have a church cleaner who cleans the toilets here, so that job is already spoken for, but there are many, many jobs, and never think that a job is too humble to be offered to the Lord in his service. There are also external factors which may determine how you serve the Lord. There may be prompting by another person. Let me give you an example of this. For some years I served on the council of Spurgeon's College and we had the responsibility once a year of interviewing people who were applying for Christian ministry And a question that's often asked of them was, what actually made you feel that it was right to apply for Christian ministry? And it was interesting that several people said, well, actually, somebody, another church member maybe, or a Christian friend said to me, have you ever thought of going into the Christian ministry? The prompting of another person. Maybe it's an advertisement in a Christian newspaper or magazine. Maybe it's a sermon which emphasizes a particular need. I want to share with you my own particular call to the ministry because for some people it is definitely a verse from the Bible, and it was in my case. In those days, we all used the authorised version of the Bible. And I think that the translation of this particular verse in Romans 10 and verse 14 was very, very well done. It says quite simply, how shall they hear without a preacher? Every time I either read or heard that text, my hair tingled. It's got to be me. That was my call to the ministry. So whatever our background, whatever our abilities, whatever our experience, nobody is good at everything, but everybody is good at something. And it can be offered to the Lord in service. So, and this is the final main point, what happens when we start engaging in Christian service? Well, the first thing is that we grow in Christian maturity. One of the things that the medical profession like to emphasize is that exercise is important for health and strength. And I, without any hesitation, say that similarly, Christian service is like physical exercise. It's important for spiritual health and strength and growth. Secondly, people are blessed as the need is met. I want to give you two illustrations of this one a dramatic one and one a run of the mill one, really. As a church, we're in regular contact with Callie and George Magalhães in Brazil. And a lot of us know about their wonderful service for Christ, particularly visiting prisons. In serving children who are living in the streets. And it's wonderful how they can speak about the results of people being blessed by their ministry, children being rescued from the streets and being reunited with their families in some cases. Their help to prisoners, ex prisoners also resulting in criminals leading leaving a life of crime and finding gainful employment. Obviously, it doesn't happen in every case, but they carry on serving, and as a result of their service, people are blessed. Now, in a less dramatic but still very essential way, people who are regularly visited... By church members, because these people are in poor health or advancing years, housebound may be, they appreciate the regular contact enormously. Even if you can't visit, a phone call or a letter works wonders and is still an example of serving Christ. and thirdly opportunities for witness do arise had a recent newsletter from operation mobilization which says that some of their members have been working among refugees on the island of lesbos and they say this in their uh, newsletter we are able to provide food clothing washroom facilities medical attention and whenever there is opportunity, the good news. So we've come full circle that acts of service can give opportunity for witnessing to our faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't always happen, but it sometimes does. And so we engage in Christian service. We do it for its own sake, whatever the results, just as Jesus did. Remember that story in the Gospel about the ten lepers, all of whom were healed by Jesus. How many came back to say thank you? Only one. But Jesus did the healing nevertheless. Many people here today are already engaged in Christian service of different kinds and that is greatly valued by this church. And if so, what I would encourage you to do this morning is to recommit that service to God. Maybe you're finding it difficult. Maybe you're finding, you're asking yourself, is it getting them anywhere? Is it getting me anywhere? The answer is It always does. So recommit yourself to your particular act of Christian service in which you are engaged. But perhaps you are someone here this morning not currently engaged in a form of service. And if so, may I encourage you to pray that God will show you what gift you have that can be used and dedicated to him for the benefit both of the church and to bless those who are not yet churchgoers. There's an old hymn, we don't tend to sing it these days, which uh, some of us here, I'm sure, sang a lot in our younger years. The last line of the chorus after each verse gives real thought, food for thought, because the last line goes like this. There's a work for Jesus. None but you can do, and that is a gentle challenge to us all.